Welcome to Spark, careers in agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Hello and welcome to this edition of Spark. Today we are mobile and we're actually at the NAMA conference, the 2018 spring conference for NAMA, which is pretty exciting. And I'm with the outgoing president of NAMA, Amy Bradford. And Amy Bradford works for Growmark, and I'm going to let her talk about that a little bit and, and introduce herself. And it's an exciting time to be in NAMA, and as all my listeners know, what a big fan of NAMA I am. This is a special treat for us to get to talk to you, Amy. Well, thank you. It is it is a great time to be in, in NAMA. Um, lots of exciting things going on, and as outgoing president, I'm. it's kind of a bittersweet time for me. just spent a, a year in the presidency, and it goes so quickly, goes by so fast. I'm coming away with a lot of good friendships, a lot of good memories, a lot of good professional relationships that I probably would never have had had I not been in this journey. So let's start out by letting our audience know what Growmark is about and what your current job is like. Right. Growmark is an ag supply cooperative and we provide agronomy, energy, facility planning, logistics, grain mark to our FS affiliates. That's our flagship brand, FS companies, as well as non-members and customers in more than 40 states in Ontario, Canada. So we serve a approximately a quarter of a million farmer customers. And my role there is I'm corporate communications manager. It is a title that I've had since I started in 2007, but my job has evolved and grown in the last 10 years. Still doing a lot of the same types of jobs. We we publish a publication, a print publication, but it also is has a digital component to it. It's a digital platform. We have an app for it now. I write speeches. I work with executives on their comments and their public relations activities um, to handle media relations. So I'm the corporate spokesperson as well. A very varied job day in and day out. The other component is um, youth and young leader involvement. So we have some community involvement for H and FFA. And I also manage our philanthropic efforts and our foundation. You're a very busy lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm fortunate I've got a great team. You know, and some of the team are involved in NAMA and are here at this conference as well. We touch a lot of things in the organization and throughout those 40 states in Ontario. We, we touch many, many, many things. Well, Gromark has made a great commitment to NAMA, so we're sure appreciative of that and and all the development it does for Mm -hmm. these people up and coming. And it is very important for us as an organization to support NAMA. One of the questions that somebody asked me one time is, what does my company get out of me being involved in NAMA? And my response was that I learn from the people that I interact with at NAMA. I have opportunities for professional development through the speakers um, that are at these conferences. Personally, I develop, and I think I'm a better employee because of my involvement with NAMA. I either learn something at every interchange, or I meet someone who can help me figure something out. But yeah, I'm a better employee because of my involvement with NAMA. It's a wonderful organization, everything from, as you said, the education piece and the networking. So let's look back at your childhood and how you grew up and how that kind of prepared you for for your career. When we were talking about that, I I thought, well, this this is interesting because my childhood uh, grew up 
in a small town. I was one of two girls in the tribe that ran our neighborhood. I guess there were six or seven boys. I grew up doing all the outdoor stuff that they did because that's just the way it was. You know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to be active and play and go outside, like your mom said, and come home in the stark, you know, you did what they did. So we did a, we had a lot of BB gun fights and softball games and just a lot of outdoor activity. So I would say that that part of my childhood prepared me for what I do now to be able to adapt to a rapidly changing environment. My days are not the same at all from one day to the next. And the whole flexibility thing, to be able to get along with diverse personalities. And as I think about it, you know, being a minority among the boys really is what agriculture has been for so long. I was one of two women, even in my early career, and everybody else was male. You had to navigate that. In junior high, we moved to a larger city, and it was kind of shell shock for me, going from a very small school to big public school. So you had to have those kind of survival skills. And then in high school, I ended up at a a laboratory school associated with the university. So very Hmm. back to the small type of format and and, um, structure. Really great access to quality education because a lot of those teachers were professors from the university. They treated you day one like you were in their college classes. So, I mean, great opportunity. It was. It was. It really was. It was a lot of real world stuff at a young age. And I did better that way. I'm more of a, I'm an introvert. So you give me a piece of paper and a syllabus and I'll follow it, that kind of thing. So that really probably did help prepare me for the real world. So how did you decide where to go to school? I started out following my brother to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and taking a communication courses. My time there at Moody was about a year and a half, and then I quit to get married. Thought that was the the right thing to do. Looking back now, that wasn't the right thing to do because I didn't have an education and I was, you know, kind of slotted in menial careers. So I was single parent, taking um, classes, class at a time, you know, that kind of thing, and really wasn't very focused and didn't have much of a plan other than, you know, trying to raise a child and all that goes along with that. But you learn from those things. I had taken a lot of credit hours from Illinois State, and I was working at the Department of Agriculture, and there was an accelerated degree program through Greenville College, and it was organizational leadership, bachelor's. So in 18 months, I could get my bachelor's degree, and I had enough credit hours that I could do that, could just do the 18 months. So I ended up doing that. I was in my 40s when I finished that degree. And right after I got my bachelor's, I pursued my master's. So I have a master's degree in organizational leadership from Gonzaga University in Spokane. It was a partial residency and um, mostly online, one of the oldest organizational leadership programs in the nation. That was quite the journey. So the span of your education, how long did that take? Easily say 20 years. Wow, that's awesome perseverance, really, to get that done. Well, you know, you get to the point where, um, at least I did, I don't have any excuse for not finishing this now. I'm not going to go any farther in my career unless I do this. It was a decision that I made that I needed to make in order to go further in my career, just 
to prove to myself that I could do that. So you haven't always been at Growmark. So was, no. did that, that actually overlap with your career at Growmark? No. Getting your master's? N- no. I had my master's by the time I, I came to Growmark. Okay. So I started in 1980 at Illinois Farm Bureau. My title then was news service specialist. I wrote news releases. I did media relations work. But like with a lot of jobs, your job can evolve. And I was always looking to do something a little different. So I was on the journalism side for a while. One of the opportunities I took was Farm Bureau had this little experiment at the time that was called Farm Data. It was local grain prices, it was some news and editorial, and they decided to expand that to like a Midwest Grain Belt kind of format. So I was the editor of all of their news product that went into that. So I had stringers around the Midwest and out into the plain states, you know, so they'd send should, stuff. So you should tell what a stringer is. Yeah, yes, probably. Know what that is. Yeah, a stringer is a uh, person in, in another state who is compiling news stories for this product. So essentially, I was the editor for all of this, the managing editor for this online news feed that was, at that time, we thought it was you know, really top of the line. Now we look back and it's really primitive, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually uh, Farm Bureau sold that to DTN. So that's what DTN is today. I did not know that. So Farm Data evolved and grew into DTN. So I had a great opportunity there, and I really got to hone my my communication skills and my journalism skills. Illinois Farm Bureau also has a radio network. So I decided that I wanted to branch out into that. And I became a broadcaster for a while. And I produced, also produced a daily talk show and was host on that. So I added that to my repertoire portfolio, you would say, of skills. This to say, don't think that you can go into one job and never do anything else. I mean, in, even in the same organization, in the same, in the same office, in the same chair. Because if you have someone, if you have a boss who's willing to let you try things... So these were suggestions you actually made to them. Yes, right? I made. This would be yes. a good idea. And right. Didn't just wait for things to come your way. But Correct. You took the initiative. And, yeah. And wow. I'm, I'm the type of person who always wants to learn something new. So, I mean, the whole, the whole broadcast side, I don't have a problem, you know, interviewing someone. But it, the, um, back then it was tape, not digital. So, <laughs> not much editing? Is yeah, that what you're so, yeah. So splicing, <laughs> splicing tape and things yeah. like that, that was new to me. And the skill fit the time. and. Mm-hmm. And that that was fine. I had a great time, and it was a really good learning on on the production side of this talk show, sourcing the the interviewers, the interviewees for the day, the topics we were going to cover. So I had all of that responsibility, and then prepping me and the other host for that. So that was up until year 2000. And one of the people that I interviewed was uh, the new Department of Agriculture, the director, Joe Hampton was his name. I knew Joe just from Farm Bureau things. So he was the new director and we were interviewing him and he walked out of there and then he turned around and walked back in to the studio and he said, you know, I'd really like you to come to work for me. I was taken aback because I didn't expect that at all. I said, well, you'll have to tell me a little bit more about what you would like for me to do. <laughs> job is. He said, well, we'll talk about that. I said, well, I'll think about that, about 
five months later, because government works really, really slow, I had a job offer that I accepted. And I was, well, I need to step back a little bit because yes, I did that interview with Joe. But in the meantime, my title changed to director of issue management. So I was kind of like a liaison on the communication side with our public policy group. So I was managing issues and, you know, setting up radio interviews and doing media relations work. and So another facet, even in that little window. Right. Then this uh, this offer came to go into the public sector, which scared me a little bit for a number of reasons. I'm not a very big, I'm not a political person. I wasn't on their team anyway. The politicians that were in power, I was not on their team. So it was a gamble for them, <laughs> but that was okay. It ended up being one of the best decisions I I could have made because I learned things there that I could never have learned anywhere else. You know, it's just a different kind of environment. To bring it back around to my education, that's where I got my master's degree was in Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And then I worked at the Department of Ag for three years until we got a new governor. He went through and he swept everybody in the Department of Ag that I was considered at that point a political appointee. Oh, sure. That's a gamble. It is. Right. It is. So, you know, you're out of a job. And I looked at all kinds of even different industries, but ended up going to work for the local farm bureau there in Springfield just on a contract basis. And then about, I don't know, seven or eight months later, I went to work for Farm Credit in Illinois. But that was to have a job. It was actually lower salary than what I was making at the Department of Ag. But it was steady income and another learning experience, you know, mm-hmm. another opportunity to, to learn. So that got me back into uh, the kind of the cooperative side of things and worked there almost five years and some reorganization in Growmark, the corporate communications job opened up. The person who hired me, Ann, Ann Hastings, uh, she's now my VP. She just sent me an email and said, well, would you be interested in applying for this job? And I looked at it and it's like, well, yeah, I would. So I interviewed a couple times and was offered the job. The thing about that is that Farm Bureau and Growmark are affiliated. So all of my years at Farm Bureau count towards my pension. And it was a no-brainer. And that would have been a decision, had I said no, that would have been a decision that would have been the wrong one. Because, yes, so now I've been there, it'll be 11 years next month back at Growmark. So I'm, I'm pretty solid in terms of my pension. For not having much of a plan things do work out. (laughs) So let's think about uh, and maybe share what would be your best advice to our audience as they're early on trying to make big decisions. Have a plan. I mean, (laughs) seriously. And and I've, I've had a lot of transition in my life over the past 10 years about personal things. And that's one of the things that when you work through some of it, you you realize that there is a bigger plan. But the more that you can do when you're younger to identify those things that you like to do, know what your talents are and your strengths, and then pursue those. Don't let people, even your parents, try and steer you someplace that's not that. A lot of the decisions I made early on was because I thought that that's what my parents wanted me to do. There were classes I took in high school that my parents made me take that would set me up to be a nice secretary. And there's nothing wrong with administrative professionals, really. There isn't. But that's not me. And I didn't have enough of a direction to push back with them on that. So you kind of took the longer way around. I, I did. Because audience can't see this, which is super accomplished professional that, that I'm talking to here. And so it's really interesting to hear you talk about that path because it was right. kind of round and around yes. to get where you're at. But you, right. you ultimately 
wow, you mm-hmm. turned it into something pretty fabulous. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But I look at young women that I work with, and the majority of them have really where they want to go and how they're going to get there. And I really admire that in them. That wasn't my experience, but I can learn from them. I think about that now, about as I get towards kind of the end of my career, what do I want to do between now and then? What contribution do I want to make to my company? What things do I want to do outside my company that really fit more within my moral compass um, that I've not been able to do for a number of reasons? Not really winding down, right? Mm -hmm. But actually a new challenge. Right, a new challenge. And uh, one of the things that I'm I'm going to do this fall is I'm going to go on a mission trip to Haiti. You know, I have a, a lot in my heart for people who don't have access to things that we do here. And I'm not exactly sure where that comes from. It's very important to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be a great growth experience for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and an adventure. And <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I'm excited about that. I'm looking at other ways to get involved in other organizations, not necessarily ag-related, but um, community relations organizations where I might be able to serve in some way. There's so much need out there. Right. There's so much need out there, and that really does make us better rounded as people Mm -hmm. when we give. There's just something about that that I think is so important to being a human being is, yeah. is giving that generosity. Right. Yeah. And it, it's going to be a little hard for me because I'm, I am an introvert. And at the end of the day, I'd much rather just go home. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, at, at church, I've started on Thursdays picking up the leftover bread from Panera mm-hmm. and taking it to our local food pantry. And then I'm going to be involved in the health fair this weekend as part of the food pantry and things like that. So little by little, I'm reaching out a little <laughs> bit. Yes. Back to the advice is to is to really identify those strengths that we all have and really hone in on them and pursue jobs that use those strengths because companies are looking for people who know what they do well and then they want to put them in those positions that will benefit not only the organization but the employee because that just makes it all work together. So you've been a mentor to several people go over the years. I've heard you say that. Can you kind of talk about what that experience has been like for you? It's been really rewarding because growing up, I really didn't have any. I hate to say it was a different time, but it was a different time. I'm in my late 50s and women just weren't really the focus of business. So I didn't have a lot of female mentors. I had some male mentors later on you know, in my, like in my career at Farm Bureau, a couple of people there. Investing in somebody else and helping them navigate the business environment is rewarding. And then that helps them along in their career. They move. Um, I've got a, a, an example, and you're the one that pointed this out to me. Um, in a recent reorg, one of the young women who worked for me was promoted to a department head. Oh. And you said, well, you hatched a chick. Yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't thought of it that way. But it's really true. And now she and I, we meet about once a month in a peer-to-peer mentoring nice. That's environment. It's different now that she just she doesn't report to me. We talk about a lot of challenges that we both have. She's a lot younger than I am, but she's facing some challenges in a new position that I have some experience with. And she has some skills that I, I greatly admire. And I think that that is one of the things on mentoring that you have to be willing to learn from them too. Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't call two people on my staff. They report to me, so I don't feel like I'm their mentor, but they push me in ways that are really good for me. They're, they're young and they've got great ideas and they push me along. And it's primarily in the digital aspect. I would say I'm at the low end of proficient. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> well, I, well, you? the videography, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Edit, editing, yep, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If they want it done sometime, they'll give it to me. <laughs> if they want it done fast, they give it to one of them, which is how I like to do it anyway. I'll, I'll do the podcasts or I'll shoot video or whatever, but if they want it edited, it goes to them. Oh, it's nice to have that relationship, though, when, mm-hmm. you, when you're even with the gal that you're talking about now, the, the chick that had Yeah. Um, to be able to learn from each other and have someone to talk to right. you know, and to share challenges with, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Really, really important. It is. And it's important in business and it's important in personal life too. Absolutely. I was talking to someone last night about having the tendency to just turn inward and be introverted and not share with other people is more detrimental than helpful in the long run. He said, well, I, I don't know how many people I really feel okay enough to open up with. And I said, for me, it's less than five. Fewer than five people do I feel comfortable enough to kind of bear my soul. But you have those five. Yes. Yes. That's really important, I think, for young women to understand that they need to keep those girlfriends. They need to keep them. And really treasure how important that relationship is. Yes. Making sure you maintain the trust that goes with it. Yeah. And really hold that because that's really... something very special that can last a lifetime yes it is you know i didn't have like the one girl and then i had the seven boys (laughs) and i have no idea where any of them are with the exception of one at this point i like to ask this question um when you are finished with your career what do you hope people will remember you for i really hope people remember that i cared about them as individuals, as human beings, not just as someone who I could get work out of. I hope people remember that I was a very diligent worker who really wanted my organization to succeed and me having a contribution in that. That's pretty wonderful. That makes you a really good boss, by the way. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> my book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Any other things you want to share with our audience before we wrap up? The textbook says you should always take that opportunity, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) To to share one more thing. As I think about advice that I've received and whether it's been in through people or things that I've read, develop that inner self and develop that level of character that you yourself are comfortable with, but then that your company can be proud of too. So in this situation, I represent my company. I represent Growmark. And I want to make sure that I am always an honorable face of my company and that my executives and my farmer patrons that that we do business with would be proud to see me doing what I'm doing. That absolutely shines through in everything you do that's shown through in the last six years of of leadership at NAMA. And that's wonderful advice. And you are an example of it, which is how you know it's really true. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for your wonderful advice. Um, And this wraps up this episode of Spark. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.